God knows the things that you and I are going through. He knows everything. And I'm so thankful today. Oh, yes. He's got a plan for our lives. He's got a purpose for our lives. The enemy wants to lead you to believe that he doesn't. He wants you to, you know, be ungrateful for what God has done and what he's doing. But God wants you to know today that he doesn't ever quit. Amen. He doesn't even quit. You know, I've always heard it preached. If you don't quit, God won't quit. Even when you do quit, God doesn't quit. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. Even when you do quit, God doesn't quit. He still, he said, I'm married to that backslider. Amen. I'm married to that backslider. Hallelujah. I'm not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell this morning. He doesn't want anybody to be lost this morning. He wants everybody to be recovered and restored. That's why he sent his only begotten son, so you and I could have life and life more abundantly, so we could be saved. We could be snatched out of the fire of hell. That is why he came. Amen. I'm telling you, God doesn't quit on you and I. We quit. We stop. We forget. We're ungrateful sometimes. Not always. But he wants you and I to know today. Amen. I'm not finished with you. Don't be ungrateful for what I've done. Because the work that I begin, I finish. He that had begun this good work in me will be faithful to complete it to the very end. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but I'll be with you to the very end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, my God, are you here this morning with me? Paul said, amen, I know in whom I have believed. I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded. You know, there's a great testimony to be persuaded of what God can do. He's made a believer out of me. Amen. He's made a believer out of me. I trust him this morning. I trust him this morning. Amen. Let me tell you something. Even this last week, you know, with all this going on with Israel and, and you know, I, I've been praying for Israel and praying for Jerusalem. This ain't my message, but praying for all of this, you know, that's going on. But I said, Lord, we got this trip and we had to cancel it. And, and, and this, this agency's got all this money, you know. And here I am, and I'm just like, I know people are like, you know, I've had people with just subtle hints, you know, hey, how's everything going with that? They want their money back. So the same God that I've always known, the same God that's always met me at the throne of grace, the same God that said, come boldly before me, he said, come boldly before me. I said, Lord, do you want to talk about being out of control? I have absolutely no control over this money. It's not in my hands. It's been gone. It's been released. And we're not talking about 10 bucks. We're not even talking about 10,000 or 50,000. We're talking about thousands and thousands of dollars. Just take three times 30, 3,000 times 30. That'll give you an idea. And here I am, and I just got on my face, and the Lord said, I'm the same God I've always been. I'm the same God. And I said, Lord, they're stalling. They're, they're making excuses. They're trying to whittle off things and take this and take that. And I just got down on my face, and I said, God, you're the God who knows how to, how to make them release what belongs to us. Amen. Amen. You know how to do that. You know how to do that. And one day, I believe it was at, at the first of this week, or it might have been at the end of last week, I'm not sure, but I began to get down, and I was so troubled, and I said, God, you've got to intervene, and I'm praying in the Spirit. I had forgotten all about it. I was just praying on something else, and in the middle of me praying in the Holy Ghost, amen, thank God for the Holy Ghost. People say, oh, you know, that's, I said, be quiet, amen, you don't know what you're talking about. The Holy Ghost is for today, it's for you and me. We need the power of God, and 
you need power in prayer whenever you don't know how to pray and what to pray. There's a groan that comes down deep within you that'll pray. And I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. And just like that, the Spirit of God come upon me. He said, now begin to pray. Begin to bind the enemy from trying to attack and take that money. He said, bind that enemy. You right now, speak it, Jonathan. Pray it. Just come out of the blue. And I begin to bind the enemy. I said, devil, you're not going to keep that money. You have to let it go now in Jesus' name. And I begin to pray. And God begin to move. And I mean, I'm praising God. And I'm worshiping him. And he gave me a freedom. He gave me a liberty. He gave me a peace. I begin to be free in the Holy Ghost. Well, I ended my prayer meeting. And I went about my day and the rest of the week. And Angela, she told me, I don't know if it was Tuesday or Wednesday. She said, $39,000 came through. I said, that's only half. Amen. We're short. But I said, the rest of it's coming. Amen. As long as it's sitting over there in Chase Bank account, I'm happy. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. But I, 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 she said to me, I don't know if it was a couple days ago, she said, the rest of it came in. Amen. Then they, they were trying to hold on to something. I said, no. I'm talking above and beyond the deposit that we did lose. There was a small amount per person that we lost, but in comparison to thousands of dollars, it was nothing. I knew that. But I know this much. God began to move, and he opened up the floodgates. And here it come. You know, here it come. I'm just so thankful. Amen. I said, Lord, I'm going to have to get on the phone with Daryl Turner. He said, you don't need Daryl Turner. Daryl Turner's not your God. You don't, I'm your advocate. Either I can do it or nobody can do it. I said, Lord, I ain't going to call Daryl Turner. Amen. He said, don't get somebody else involved. He said, all you need is me at the throne of grace. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. Why do we always feel like we have to have somebody to help God out? He don't need no help. He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. All the silver and the gold is his. Everything's at his disposal. He can tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh may not want to let God's people go, but he has to let God's people go. <laughs> Aren't you grateful today? I'm telling you. Whew, hallelujah. Amen. Are you all here with me today? Praise God. <laughs> I don't know how I got all the way out of here, but here, let me get back up here. I'm excited this morning. That song was anointed when it was written. There's songs that are anointed when they're written. There's songs that they don't have a drop of anointing on them and the whole church sings them. But I'm going to tell you, there's songs that were anointed when they were written. Oh, my. Well, I'm going to preach what God laid upon my heart. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 9. 1 Kings chapter 9. Thank you, Jesus. All of that that you just heard was all just free. <laughs> Maybe somebody needed to hear that, but somebody needs to hear what I'm getting ready to say. <laughs> In 1 Kings chapter 9, when you get there, say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Pray over the word. Father, we thank you today for the worship, for the freedom and the liberty in this house. We could come into this church and, Lord, we don't do 2.5 songs and then everybody sit down and just go through the remainder of a boring service. But, Lord, we can come and worship you until, until we feel, Lord, that cloud lift. We can come and fill these altars, Lord, at any time. I'm grateful for the freedom that we have in here. That where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And I thank you, Lord, for the songs of Zion, the songs of victory, the gospel songs. Lord, there are gospel songs. They're packed full with the Word of God and the message, Lord, that's not antiquated and it's not out of vogue. But God, it's still, Lord, very much popular and still works. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Same Jesus, same power, same, same uh, word and same testimonies and same spirit. I thank you today, God, that you're always working. 2,000 years later, you're still working. 
But God, I just ask you today as we begin to break open the bread of life that whoever this is for today, whether it's one, two, ten, five, or a hundred, Lord, that you speak to all of us and that we will be grateful, Father God, for what you've done and we will continue to cultivate what you've done in our lives. And God will give you all the glory and honor. We ask your blessing upon this word and anointing upon my life. Let me stop when it's time to stop. And God will open the altars. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 9. Verse 10 says this. It says, And it came to pass... At the end of 20 years, at the end of 20 years, when Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house. Now Hiram, the king of Tyre, had furnished Solomon with cedar trees and fir trees and with gold according to all his desire. That then King Solomon gave him 20 cities in the land of Galilee. And Hiram came out from Tyre to see the cities which Solomon had given him, and they pleased him not. And he said, What cities are these which thou hast given me, my brother? And he called them the land of Kabul, Unto this day. And what that means is anything concerning something that's displeasing or unfruitful or unprofitable, he saw them as something that there was no value to. Now I'm preaching this thought when God's blessing doesn't please you. And I'm preaching this thought because we're coming into the Thanksgiving season and we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be thankful for. People say, well, things are bad. They're worse in other places. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful, amen, for what we have. And, uh, but I'm preaching this because the Lord led me here and I believe God clearly thinks we need to hear it today. But it's a Thanksgiving season and we need to be thankful and not be displeased with the blessings that God has laid upon us and blessed us with. If you keep reading the word daily, you'll never want for a word to preach. And this is to my leaders and to lay preachers. If you read the Bible every day, God will lead you with a word that's fresh. And I've been reading in 1 Kings about the building and construction of the temple that Solomon had built and it was so beautiful and so detailed and so articulate and everything was so wonderful and so so beautiful that God's spirit came down and the Shekinah glory filled that temple, Solomon's temple. And I was blessed as I began to read by how Solomon was so grateful to God for what he did. He was so grateful that God always kept his promises and he proclaimed that and he proclaimed it and declared it publicly. Whenever he was beginning to address the people in, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 56, the Bible says this. He said, Blessed be the Lord that has given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he promised. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. And then he goes over into chapter 8, verse 23 and 24. And he says, and he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth beneath who keeps covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart, who has kept with thy, thy servant David, my father, that, that thou promised him thou hast you spake us also with your mouth and you fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day the reason that i read that is because solomon was very thankful for what god had done what he had done thousands of years before 
and also what he had done through his, his father David. And he said, and what he's doing right now, what he promised my father with his mouth, he put his hand to begin to bring it to pass. And he said, here I am with this temple, with this beautiful furniture, with every article ceremonial and every article that, that, that represents something symbolical. It's beautiful so much that the presence of God came down in Solomon's temple and it was so thick of a cloud that the priest couldn't even go in to minister. I've been in a couple services where everybody was on their face. Where you couldn't help but be on your face because there was nothing else to do but just worship Him. Just praise Him. Now we learn through these scriptures that God is a promise-keeping God. But also a visionary unto His people. Now hear me today. He's a promise-keeping God, but He's a visionary. In other words, He has a vision. He has a destiny for every one of our lives. He destined this church to be in existence. He destined you to be here. He destined where you're at today. You didn't come here on your own. God put that in your heart. He's put it in your heart to belong to a church where you feel the presence of God. And God is going to bring the greatest growth to your life where you are planted in good soil. Yeah, things will grow other places, but not like they could flourish if they were where God wanted them to be. Amen. But we learned he is a promise-keeping God, but also a visionary unto his people. He's always looking forward to another season, another day of greatness, another day of fulfillment, another day when his word and his will will come to pass and be fulfilled. Trust me on this. I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. When I first got saved, I didn't know where God was going to take me or going to bring me. But I stand here today and I look back over my life of 33 years as a Christian. And I cannot believe what God has done, but he's done it. And church, he's proven time and time again. That little country boy that got saved in a little country church around a bunch of Pentecostal holiness women with buns stacked on their head and denim skirts to the floor. He said, you never dreamed that you would be where you're at today, preaching the gospel and ministering. Not only that, but pioneering a church, starting a church, and seeing God do great and marvelous things. What you see today, God has a greater vision for your life than even what you're experiencing right now. This is very important for us to hear and to heed because we are an unfolding promise. Remember that. I am an unfolding promise in God's sight. B.H. Clinton said that we are a possibility waiting to happen. He used the word empty possibility. So I guess there has to be nothing there for God to make it possible and to make it something that it is not. But we are a possibility waiting to happen. God is waiting for you and I to come into fruition in His perfect will to fulfill it. And God blesses us with gifts, with talents, with opportunities, with resources to see all of that come to pass. Now, getting back to our text here, because I don't want to get off of text here, but God's going to talk to us today. King Hiram in our text is like any one of us. He was a man who came from very small beginnings, from very, you know, menial beginnings. If you read in chapter 7, verse 13, 1 Kings 7, 13, I don't know if I put that up there, but the Bible says, And King Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre, verse 14. And he was a widow's son. So he didn't even have a father that was alive. He was a widow's son of the tribe of Naphtali. And his father was a man of Tyre, a worker in brass. And he was filled with wisdom and understanding and cunning to work all works in brass. And he came to King Solomon and wrought all of his works. Solomon says, come here. I'm going to build this temple that God has promised my dad that he would have me to build. And he brought all of the brass, all of the gold. And Hiram began to cover all of that furniture. Can you imagine if I said today, I want this church to be absolutely 
engraved and dipped in gold from the altar to the platform to the pulpit to the, the, the piano stand everything that can be covered in brass or gold whatever God required uh, he said I want that to be done and every uh, there were all kinds of things that were involved in ceremonial worship Hiram was the one that Solomon requested and searched out to bring him in to do that Everybody has a gift. Everybody has a specific gift that they excel in. There are things I can do and there that I can do okay. There are things I cannot do hardly at all. And then there are things that I can do well. Amen. We all have things that we can do well. There's things that we take a stab at that we're not very good at. If you want me to coach your softball or baseball team, I can tell you right now, the only thing I can offer you is prayer. Because I cannot play like other people can play. You need a coach, you need to get a hold of Tom Keynes or Justin Keynes, or if you need to learn how to wrestle, my son Kyle will help you. There are things that people can do that I cannot do. I've tried, and I said, Lord... You may be an apple. I don't want to try to be an orange. But Hiram was given these gifts. He was a worker of brass, filled with wisdom, understanding, cunning at work. And this man overlaid all the furniture, all the tables, the Ark of the Covenant with gold, the cherubims, which had, which had wings that were a span of almost six, seven feet. Can you imagine from here all the way up beyond the ceiling here of the wings of that cherubim that was over the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant. It's beautiful as you begin to read it. But he covered the lavers in brass, the shovels in brass, things in silver. It doesn't say that, but he did. Things that uh, with brass and gold and was a huge part in the detailed, intricate workings of the temple, symbolic and ceremonial decor. So much that God was pleased and showed up in his Shekinah glory that the priests couldn't stand to minister. Verse 10 of Kings, 1 Kings 8, verse 10 says this. You turn there. It's a long chapter. It said, and it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord then spoke Solomon the Lord said that he would dwell in the thick darkness I have surely built thee a house to dwell in a settled place for thee to abide in forever now listen this Hiram that we read about that did all of these things that saw God bless what he did he doesn't, he doesn't, I can tell you he doesn't have to have our talents, but he uses our talents. I don't care how good you can sing or play or teach or preach or whatever, it, it, unless you come humbly and under the submission of the Lord and let him anoint that gift, you are worthless. Because God doesn't need a flesh pot. He doesn't need somebody that thinks they're better than God. Pride is not a fruit of the Spirit. And so he needs you available. He needs you submitted. He needs you saying, Lord, I just want to be used for your glory. I don't want any glory to come to me. This isn't about me. It's about you and about honoring you. And uh, it's hard sometimes when people are talented to bring that under subjection. I'll be the first to admit that, to bring that under subjection. Amen. I, when I was a, a new Christian, I stood up one time, one of the first or Two times I sang a special and I said, I'm coming, I'm going to sing to you today. And I was up there and I went on for a minute and a half about how great I was. And my Sunday school teacher just sat down there and she looked at me. And when I came down at the end of the service, she said, come here, honey, I want to talk to you. She said, you know, you, you sang really beautiful today. I said, thank you. She said, but let me tell you, God doesn't need you. And she said, we're not performers. We're not entertainers. This is ministry, Jonathan. She said, what you need to do is you need to ask God to humble you 
and to anoint you. And she goes, because otherwise all you're going to do is appeal to the flesh in people and not their spiritual life and the spirit man. Greatest one-minute message I ever got from Sandy Moffat. I'm so grateful today. And I said, Sandy, thank you. I'm sorry. She said, son, she said, we live and we learn. But I have to tell you because I don't want you to become somebody that doesn't re remember and realize who their source is for everything, including your gifting. I'm so grateful for people that tell you the truth. But I just want to say that King Hiram did all of this and God blessed him and blessed it and blessed what he did and the blessing came because God anoints and he shows up where he is received and where there's been obedience to make preparation for him to come. Did you hear what I said? People say, I, I, you know, I, I want to see more of the spirit of God in the church than come an hour early for prayer. Don't come in and criticize what you don't see or feel. Come and prepare for God to come. Amen. Begin to be and make that invitation and say, Lord, we can't do anything without your spirit. And if your spirit's here, somebody can get saved today. Moving on here, that's not my message, but Hiram is a king after 20 years. I'm going somewhere, so stay here with me. Hiram becomes a king of Tyre after 20 years because he was just a widow's son 20 years prior. He was just a man that his dad taught him how to smelt and, and melt brass and cover things. But he became somebody that was highly sought out. And after 20 years, he, became, he becomes king, but he didn't always start out that way. He was a widow's son, a father. Uh, his father was a, a man of Tyre. Uh, of the tribe of Naphtali, but God chose him to be a part of the construction of the building of the temple that he would make his most notorious visitation to. That's powerful. Solomon begins to thank Hiram for his contribution by giving him 20 cities. He said, I just want to tell you something. For all the gold and all the brass and all the work and everything that you did, God visited us and he said, you know what? I want to be grateful and I want to be a blessing to you. So I'm going to give you 20 cities. So King Hiram comes down and he sees all the property that he's just been given. And he said, I don't like it. I'm not happy with it. I'm displeased. The Bible says in verse 12, the land and the cities, not just land, cities, they pleased him not. And he said, what cities are these, brother? And he called them Kabul, which means displeasing or dirty. Commentators say that the ground was clay and would require work to make it fruitful. There are a few things that I want us to consider from what I'm getting ready to say to you. Number one, that God blesses us with things in our life and we need to be grateful for the things that he's blessed us with even if we don't see the value in them at the time. There are people that have been hard in your life. They have, they, have, they have disciplined you or maybe even rebuked you at a time in your life. And you ought to thank God for what they did. I'm looking back over my life and I'm thanking God for every person that ever spoke anything into me and taught me things. Duke Downs taught me things. Jackie Downs taught me things. Amen. They were my pastors. Jack Stecker taught me things, you know. Tom Kelly taught me things. My dad and my stepmom taught me things. The Lord laid upon my heart the other day. He said, you need to write that lady a letter and you need to tell her thank you because when you came to California, even though you were saved, you were a mess. You were broken down. You, were a, you, you come from a very warped background and warped, deformed life and, and upbringing. And, 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 and that woman poured into you. She loved you. She welcomed you into the family. Even though it was your dad's family, you weren't her family, but she invited you in and she welcomed you in and she poured 
poured into you and she helped you and she encouraged you and she edified you every day. Every time you would come in negativity, she would speak life to you and she poured into you. And, 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 and what, but, but the only thing that you saw was the flaws in her life. All you saw was, was the times that she may have been human or acted in her flesh. You didn't see and, and value all the good things. Come on, somebody. Amen. Because a lot of times, you know, we, we, we see good and valuable things and we've received from people, but they do one thing wrong to us or they do something that we think is, is, is not the way it should be. Well, they didn't show Jesus. Well, we don't show Jesus sometimes. We need to understand that there's value. There's an anointing. There's a blessing. There's a gifting there. And the people God puts in our life, we need. We need them. We need them. And let me share this with you. Sometimes it's not what you gleaned from them, but you learn what not to do. So everything that you receive from God, you should be grateful for. Every person in your life. But commentaries say a lot of things. And there's a few truths I want us to consider. Number one, this, with Hiram. God blessed him with lands that needed to be cultivated. And a lot of times, one of the biggest things that we do not see is that God's reward for a job well done is more work. <laughs> we need to have that mic drop on tap, okay? Let me say it again, Pastor. God's reward for a job well done is always more work or a greater work. Did he not take the one talent from the, from the man that buried it and gave it to the one that had ten? Oh, we don't want to hear that. Everybody's going, oh, my gosh. Some of, look, I'm going to say something, and I'm going to be as kind as I can. Some of you don't have to worry about a thing. Are you saying I'm not doing anything? No. You said it. Hey, hey, hey. It's never take your ease at Zion. It's never to take it easy. The day that David took it easy and he was didn't go to war like the other kings did, he was looking over the balcony and he caught it got caught up in sin you would get caught up in sin when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing amen amen that's why people except they're a housewife or maybe a man that has to stay home i don't know how the the, the family dynamic is but i believe the man should work amen I don't matter what, but in this culture we live in, people have it a different way, and some people it works for them, but I can tell you right now, a man needs to work. An idle mind is the devil's workshop. Oh, some people under their breath are going, whoo, stay there a little longer, amen. So it's never to take your ease at Zion. It's never to take it easy. And I'm not criticizing you if you don't have a job. What I'm telling you is get one. Get one. I'll help you fill out an application. I'll help you with your resume. Amen. I'll help you. And you know what? I can tell you, every corner I turn, they say, now hiring. Now hiring. And so, you know, God didn't call us to have a sign on the corner that says we'll work for food. They ought to just say, please give me food. I don't intend on working. Oh, you didn't get it. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's never take your ease at Zion. It's never take it easy. But the, the reward for, for, for doing something right and being a blessing and, and, and obeying God is always a greater workload. It's always a greater work and more work. We don't like to hear that, but I have found that, the, that, that God rewards His people that, that are about His business with a greater task at hand. Praise God. I, I, my, you know, my son, 
He left and he moved to Florida. Him and Francis, Cameron and Francis, broke my heart. It's been one of the hardest things this year I had to deal with, just emotionally and just losing. When I say losing, I didn't lose him, but, you know, just him moving away, it was hard for me. You know, when you've been, when you've raised your kids and they've never not been by your side. But there was a prophecy in a, in a service that I was in whenever I had a coming to Jesus meeting about him leaving. And that prophecy was absolutely for me. It was specific for me. God told me, I spoke through that man for you. And what he said is, if you do not release your Isaac like Abraham did, you'll never have spiritual sons that will be raised up. God is calling us, amen, to put our hands to the plow. And ever since I released, amen, my son, I released him, you know, and some people have had to talk to me, and don't even look at me like, Pastor, you should know better, I know I should know better, you should know better, we're human, we have feelings, we have emotions, we respond and we react, but my wife said, you know what, Jonathan, she goes, I know it's hard for us, she goes, but there are people that have lost their children, and they'll never have them back, at least we can pick up the phone and call, at least we can drive 2,000 miles and see them, but what what about all of the parents that have lost their children? We ought to be thankful for what God has given us and not mumble and grumble about what we do not have. Because you didn't lose it forever. You released it for greater value and greater output and greater fruitfulness. Pastor Friday wrote me a long paragraph and he said, Pastor Skiles, you know I love you. Let me tell you something. He said, Cameron didn't leave the faith. He didn't leave in backside. He's going further. He's going up. You ought to be thankful, amen. You did your job. You did well. And God will reward you with sons and daughters and he'll increase the church. And ever since that happened, there have been more young men that have walked through this door. God said, I've sent them to you because you're at a place now where you can really pour into them in love and effectively you can pour into them. And God is doing that in our church. So be grateful for the blessing of God. Hiram, you saw all of this happen and the Spirit of God move and what God gave you is not some ease at Zion and some house on the hill, but he said, I gave you some more work. I gave you some people to pour into. I gave you musicians that you got to be patient with to see them become what... I've given you and gifted you and anointed you to put in them. And boys didn't become that way overnight. He said, go back 15, 17 years. You poured into them. Believe me, Kyle could write a novel. <laughs> I was in Florida. Cameron said, Dad, remember... When I used to not play like you wanted me or I was acting up, you'd spank me. I said, oh, Cameron. Every week, I said, I did not spank you every week. He said, well, you did hit your head. So I pulled Kyle to the side and I said, son, did I spank you guys every week? He said, no, just a couple times, but you did spank us. I said, well, I wanted you to straighten up and play right. But God is bringing me to this place where he's saying, stop complaining and being frustrated about what you do not have anymore. Then look at what I've given you. Look at the value, what's right in front of you. Church, I know I'm not everything I'm supposed to be. Son, I know that today, but God is working on this old boy. And I'm so thankful. I want to be, I want to thank God and be grateful for the blessings that he's given me. So he said, I didn't just give you one person to teach the base to. Now I've given you two or three or four. Don't be ungrateful for the new challenges and new territory. You must plow up. 
And a lot of it's him plowing you up. He said, what happens is they got proficient and you thought that you had a victory over your impatience and you don't. Potter knows the clay. He knows the pressure. I said, Lord, I thought we were through this. He said, I see a mar. I got to clean it up. Amen. Because when that potter's making that clay, it may be perfect for a while, but an air bubble will come out. Got to fix it. So don't be ungrateful for the new challenges and new territory that you have to plow up like Hiram was. We often are so ungrateful for what we have and what God has given us when we need to get the cult get to get to cultivating and nurturing. Okay, buckle up, folks. I started with me. Now I'm coming to you. Quit focusing on the worst in your spouses. And foster and nurture and cultivate and invest in them. Quit allowing the enemy to cause you to focus on all the things that you see are wrong. All you have is a cons section. You don't have a pro section. God wants you and I to have that focus upon the good. Because I can tell you, he, he never focuses on our bad. God never focused on our bad. He always looks at the positives and the possibility and the opportunity. So quit picking them apart. Quit looking at them and saying everything that they've ever done. All the things. Quit doing that. And start looking at what they can become. I, they may be somebody that isn't what you want them to be. But let me tell you, they can become. He's a God who hasn't stopped creating. He's still creating in us a clean heart. Amen. He's still making us new creatures in Christ Jesus. Praise God. He's still creating the fruit of our lips. He can change anybody. He can change. I'm telling you, God said, tell the church, tell the marriage, quit focusing on the worst in your spouse and focus on the positives and start nurturing and start cultivating and start investing in them. And if you're on the receiving end, be grateful for what God has done for you. Be thankful for the wife God has given you. Be thankful for the husband God has given you. Well, they don't hug me like I want them to hug me. Yeah, but they get up and they go to work every day so they can have food on the table and a roof over your head. Be thankful for what you do have. God can fix the things you don't have. And you can be the one and are the one that is supposed to give what you need in your life and marriage. It blessed me, Kevin's dad and his brother at his, his dad's party. Oh, man, I wish I could just, did, I hope they recorded that, amen. I just sat there and watched Jorge who raised his boys up in the Lord. And I watched his brother Joel as he went over and he began to take the mic or begin to share what God had did. And he said, my brother Kevin did everything my parents told him to do. He said, but I was the one that always, you know, was obstinate and wanted to rebel and not do what they wanted me to do. And he said, but my dad started taking me out like once a week and we would go have father-son dates and he'd take me to Denny's and he would talk to me about God and he would talk to me about his problems and he poured into me and Joel's got... Joel's got tears streaming down his face because his dad invested in him. Stop looking at your children and say, they're just, they're just, uh, they, they're not what I thought they were going to be. They become somebody that I don't even know. Have you invested in them? You get what you put into them. I saw years ago a woman preach about a plant and I brought that plant, a flower I had from Home Depot. It's one of them potted plants and, you know, they're, they live and then they die and, you know, they get thrown on the side of my house because 
and just kind of all sit there. And uh, I remember there was nothing but death there. There was one little sprig of green. So I just went out there and I just cut all that death away. And I began to pour water on that plant. Set it with just enough sun and just enough shade. Put a little miracle grow on it and cultivated it. Got some oxygen going. I thought, well, and lo and behold, after about three or four months, I brought that flower in here, that hanging plant with those beautiful purple flowers. And I said, six months ago, it was dead. But look at it now. Because you do not know the value of investment and pouring life and seeing the positives and what can be, except you start cultivating that. Amen. Oh, my. 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 Are you hearing me today? Look at what God's placed before you. Quit comparing yourself with somebody else. Quit saying, why can't you be like, don't say that to your kids. I remember somebody in church one time when I was at another church. They said, I wish my wife was like that person. And I thought, I know that person. Trust me. You are in far better shape than you think. Everybody always thinks the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, but they don't know that there's poop at the bottom of that grass. It may be real pretty on the outside, but you don't know what's down deep within. Come on now. Hey, hey. So quit focusing on the worst and nurture, cultivate, and invest in them. If you're on the receiving end, for crying out loud, be grateful. Pick something and say, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for making my lunch. Thank you, honey, for going to work every day. You've always provided for us. Thank you. Thank you. Children, be grateful for the parents that you have. Parents, be grateful for the children that you have. Years ago, I was coming home from prayer meeting, and our piano player, Rosie Culp, was driving and I, she would drive me to prayer to Chino, and we'd drive home, and I would just start in on everything, and my dad and my this and that. I'd start in, and after about two months, she stopped me right there on Chino Hills Parkway in Carbon Canyon. She said, all right, Jonathan, I've had enough of that. She said, I've heard enough about that. I'm tired of it. She said... Your dad loves you. You just don't know it. And she said, let me tell you something else. Whether he gave you anything or everything or nothing that you want. She said, you have a wife and two beautiful kids at home. Why don't you start investing in them? Why don't you see what's right in front of you instead of what you don't have? I said, Rosie. When is this ride going to end? You don't see it as a, a disappointing or a dirty or displeasing blessing, but one that God has given you. God reminded me. I got a couple stories, so stay here with me. I know y'all love my stories. It was in about 2004, I think, we went down to Mazatlan, and there was a missionary from Guatemala. His name was Jose Aramis. Yeah, he was, a, he was an interesting guy. But he was my interpreter. He learned English in South Carolina. So he had a Hispanic accent with a southern drawl. He was a rare breed. But he had a, a children's home down there. He's the one that I always told you how that little kid, fell, that girl fell back in his arms and God healed her eyes. So we went into maximum security. Now, I want you to get a visual of this, okay? Just get a visual. Imagine a room this big, and up on the corner from the front to the back here is cell, 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 cell. And we were in the prison in Mazalan. One cell after the other, after the other, after the other. And there was probably 10 on each side, okay? And then there were cells down.
down here on the bottom. And those guys had a little more freedom. But up at the top, they were in maximum security. They could not get out. And it was like four guys to a cell and only two beds. It was sweltering hot there, like Africa hot with humidity. Okay, none of them had a shirt on. They just had shorts and maybe chanclas on. And here they are up there. Our chanclas, how whatever you call them, chanclas. Everybody makes fun of me, but that's all right. Amen. Yo estoy aprendiendo español. There's cells on both sides, and I went in there. Jose Adamas is my interpreter. There can only be two people in there. It was me and him, and I thought, Lord, I've never been in a fight in my life, and he don't look like he's been in one either. And so, but we're going to get to preaching this gospel. And we preached, and the anointing came upon me so heavy, I couldn't hardly even speak for, for, for fighting back the tears of crying. But I'm preaching, and I sang with my guitar. He interpreted for me, and I said, Now who wants to come to Christ? All those men came up to them bars and they got their heads sticking out there. Their eyes closed. Some of them had their hands in the air. And we began to pray the sinner's prayer. And that day I couldn't tell you how many people came to Christ. I won't know until I get to heaven. But this much I know that was the most powerful service I think I've ever been in in my life. And we were getting ready to say goodbye and say thank you for letting us come in and have the, the guards let us out and go through all of the checkpoints to get out out of the maximum security one of the greatest services I ever had was in a maximum security prison <laughs> because where the darkness gets darker the light gets brighter <laughs> amen but here I am here I am and Jose Armas is there and he said wait he said pastor wait they're saying something and they started talking in Spanish and he said he said through the through, he was my interpreter he said the boys, the men are saying, thank you for coming. We appreciate you so much. And they all, you know, like soccer team, yeah. You know, they're all just almost chanting. They said, thank you for coming. We feel God. We feel the love of God. And they said, the, we, we want to give you something. And they said, we don't have much to give, but we want to give you what we have. And they passed from cell to cell, from hand to hand, all the way down from that corner all the way down to this corner, somebody grabbed it, brought it down, and it was a T-shirt. It was a T-shirt. It was a small. It wouldn't fit me, but they even said that to me. They said, Pastor, we know that this shirt will not fit you. It was some kind of an election, you know, some a, a campaign shirt, but it was brand new. It was white with green and red, and it was beautiful, the writing on there, whoever it was, and they said, we want you to have this. We want you. It's all we've got, but we want to give you this as a blessing give it to your sons let it be a memorial and a remembrance of this day because God has come down in this place and I sat there and I'm crying Jose Armas is crying we walked out I had that shirt in my hand and when I sat down in the cell outside Carlos is there Carlos started crying the moment we walked through the door he said what happened I looked at Jose I said what happened in there he goes I don't know brother I've never never been in a service like that ever in my life. I've never seen that. But I said every one of those men had no shirt on but they gave me the shirt. The only one shirt they had and I cherish that blessing. I cherish that shirt because I said Lord it's a blessing that I'll never forget. It has had long reaching effect and blessing and testimony so much that I'm sharing it 20 years later. Be grateful for the blessings, the spiritual blessings. You may never pastor a church. You may never be full-time in ministry. You may never live as a full-time minister and able to do that as a living. I can tell you, but I will share this with you. The blessings that God gives you. Because, and let me share that with you. The greatest blessings. Those are just something that... <laughs> That, that carnal people or covetous people think is the blessing. Is the blessing. But I, I, I'm telling you right now, the greatest blessing is sitting right here in front of me. The greatest blessing is seeing your lives and how God has touched you. And all down through the years, that's the blessing. 
You can't look at that and say, well, you know, a handful of people came to church, but the offering was small. I said, get out of the ministry, you old harling. You shouldn't even be in the ministry if that's all you care about. Amen. I told Pastor Lee's church, I'm saying, look at me. I'm telling you, I said, I don't even care about an offering. I'm so grateful to be here with my friend and his church in the presence of God. I'm among God's people. This is the greatest blessing you could ever have. It's right here. Seeing your kids right there in front of you serving God with their hands in the air. There's nothing like that. It's invaluable. Don't be ungrateful for the blessing that God has given you because his reward is always greater work. That blessing with Jose Armas and that t-shirt was a landmark in my life. I realized that day what is truly valuable and eternally valuable. Be grateful for God's gifts unto you. I've asked the Lord, give me prophetic knowledge and utterance. And he said, be happy with the gifts I gave you. Maximize what you have first. There are people in here, you do certain things in your life and you do it well. But I, there's some that I can say, you probably aren't even doing everything that you could do with what God has gifted you with. Start there. Start there. Satan has an old tactic to get our minds on something that we believe is better that we that, than what we have. He tries to show us some shiny new uh, fruit or shiny new article or shiny new thing, just like he did to Eve in the garden. But what you don't realize is the greatest thing you have is the life of God. Because that's the only thing you're going to carry into eternity. It's not going to be your car, your house, your bank account. Naked you came in this world, naked you go out. And church, I want to tell you something. For you that have any money, and if you do, I don't know it. But if you have money in this place, just remember, when you die, whoever gets your money, what are they going to do with it? I've seen people that had millions of dollars, and they didn't make provision, and they put it into the hands of somebody that didn't even do anything for the kingdom. I don't want to stand before God and have left all that money for somebody to squander when it could have been used for the kingdom of God. Let that sink in. We are pursuant of every other shiny fruit or thing instead of the life of God. And trust me, you have not exhausted all you can get from the Lord. Who, by the way, said, I will pour out blessing upon you that you aren't even able to contain. Uh, your cup can and will run over. It is a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. His gift of salvation is an unspeakable gift. Praise God. Sometimes you're at a loss for words. You don't even know what to say. So be grateful and whatever you do for God, do heartily with passion and sacrificial investment. Be thankful. Cultivate what God has placed in front of you because if you don't, God will give your blessing to someone else. Let me share with you what happened as I close here because I know you thought I was going to preach all day long. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass at the end of 20 years, wherein Solomon had built the house of the Lord in his own house, listen to what happened, that the cities which Huram, or Huram had restored to Solomon, so you know what that means? He gave them back. The cities which Hiram had restored to Solomon, Solomon built them and caused the children of Israel to dwell there. So Solomon built them and caused them to be inhabited and your castaway and unwanted opportunity is another's blessed opportunity. Let's share something with you. I had a little RX-7. You know, I'm always finding some pile of junk. And she was like, why did you buy that? I said, I just wanted it. 
it barely ran, but I liked it. I had fun with it. And uh, there was a family in the church, and the daughter saw that car. And she said, I've got this old Honda over here, and it don't run. And she said, I'll swap with you. You take my car, I'll take your car. Well, I looked at that Honda, and under all the dirt, and under the flat tire, and under all of that, I said, there's a diamond in the rough here. I said, you got a deal. So I took that Honda, got it home via AAA, took it down to Ray Adami down here on 2nd Street or 1st Street, whatever it is, and said, what's it need? He said, a water pump, an oil change, and the carburetor needs to be rebuilt. He said, but while we got it all off, we might as well put a timing belt on. I said, do it. I don't know what it was, about $700 or something. Now, this is a long time ago, 2005. Now, it'd be four grand, you know. But he got that car running. I brought it home. Me and Brian Brown, probably right about here because we had a garage door there. We pulled that car right in here. We washed that thing. We waxed it. We polished the chrome. We polished the wheels. We, he said, Pastor, this car is immaculate inside. It only got 51,000 miles. It's a 1980 Honda Accord. I said, the only thing ugly about it is the color, but we can wax that and clean it up. It's butter yellow with golden interior. And it had a little, little whoo you know moonroof she just kind of turned I said man the radio worked the air conditioner worked it ran like a champ it's a Honda what do you expect we cleaned that car from stem to stern it was immaculate before we touched it it was immaculate I mean it just needed to be washed he said pastor he said this car is it, he said you know how you go into the dealerships and like you'll see a car that's like 20 or 30 years old and they got it sitting on the showroom floor and like don't touch it you know they got a rope around it that's what it looked like. It was like, a, it was like a brand new car. There wasn't a dent, a scratch, nothing. He goes, how did you score this? I said, I saw what somebody else didn't see. Funny thing was, we had a church barbecue two weeks later. And I drove my little Honda and I pulled it into that spot back there. And here come the family. And I said, they said, how's the Honda? I said, it's right there. They went. All four of them walked over there. They were like, what did you do? I said, I gave it a bath. Cleaned it up. Got it running. I, they were looking at, they were walking around. I almost felt guilty. I was like. We made a deal. You got my RX-7. I got your Honda that didn't run. But here I am looking at this car. It was beautiful, beautiful. It was such a good car. Y'all are going to laugh. Some of you that know who I'm talking about. Me and Wedjo Palacios drove that car from Fullerton, California to Paulden, Arizona. Six-hour drive, almost 500 miles, 400 and something miles. We drove that car all the way to Arizona. He said, we ain't going to get over that hill in this car. I said, brother, this car, you can go to Texas and back. I'm telling you, this car runs like a champ. Amen. I'm telling you, I said, I put Jesus in this car and send him across the nation. We drove all the way there and all the way back with air conditioning. That car ran like a champ. It was the most awesome, beautiful car. I said, I saw what somebody else didn't see. I saw what somebody else didn't see. You have got to see the blessing right in front of you. The blessing in relationships. The blessing in your relationship with God. The opportunity that God has placed before you. And stop complaining about all the negatives. Say, Lord, you know what? There's people that don't have a relationship. There's people that that don't have the possibility for one to be restored. There's people that don't. I have 
what you've given me. Everybody has been given something to do, and our life requires that we cultivate the things in them, children, relationships, our spiritual life. Be thankful for what God has given you every day, your Bible in front of you. Because I heard in China that there was places where they took them and they arrested them and they wouldn't even give them a Bible. In fact, the military would use the pieces of the paper of the Bible with the scriptures on them and use them as toilet paper and throw it into the toilet. And when they would come in to clean the toilet, they would pick out those pieces of the Bible. They would rinse it off and they put together a Bible that had been used as toilet paper. And I can tell you most of us in here probably got at least one, two, five, ten Bibles, some of us. But do we read it? We have freedom, but do we utilize it? We have resources. What do we do? We are the most ungrateful nation. Say whatever you want to say. We're the most ungrateful nation. Heard somebody on TikTok, and I don't have TikTok, but I saw a video and they said, I'm not going to go to war. I'm not going to go to war. I'm not going to. And I thought, you know what? The freedom that you have to even say what you're saying on your social media costs somebody. And you're going to be that arrogant to say, I'm not going to go to war. I'm going to tell you something. That's what's wrong with this generation. And if we don't teach them the cost of things and to be grateful for what we have, we'll lose it. Church, hear me today. Spiritually, if you're in this house, the visitation of God is the greatest thing you could be thankful for. Don't come in here and say, I'm, I'm going to church, but I'm ungrateful this morning. I'm just going to sit here and go through. I'm mad at so-and-so. You ought to get in the altar and thank God that you have breath in your body to ask God to forgive you. I'm telling you, we're ungrateful, but we need to be grateful. We need to be thankful for the blessings that God has given us and not be displeased with them. I close with this. I believe we need to be grateful for all things, giftings, callings, relationships, our church, our body, our leaders, our pastors. Every good gift comes from God. But mostly those moments God visits us. Be grateful for what God is doing in you. He's drawing, he's wooing his presence that you that, that where he is, he's brought you to abide there so he can minister to you. Be thankful for that. Don't take for granted the spirit of God in your church. This is your church. Make sure that you cultivate a life of prayer so that there's somebody else, so that there's a presence of God so somebody else can come and receive what you've received. Listen, we all ought to care enough about somebody else, that we pay the price for the presence of God to be here. Don't expect somebody else to do what you need to do. The pastor at Lee Ships Church, his name is Alec Rowland, he said the Holy Spirit is not a labor-saving device. A lot of times people think, well, the Holy Spirit will just do that, but you and I must know that we have to put forth the effort too. And the presence of God is there because somebody paid the price for it. Amen. Would you bow your heads in prayer?